think today's episode of Let Me Be Frank is going to be a fantastic one. In the first segment, Bishop Caggiano will help us reflect on the importance of surrendering ourselves to the will of God and how that will allow our spiritual life to mature. And in the second segment, an important discussion on the value and the dignity of growing old and the important role that our seasoned citizens can play and should play in the life of the church. So don't touch that dial. We are on your radio at 1350 AM and 103.9 FM, and we're right there on your phone with the Veritas mobile app. The app is available at the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or at veritascatholic.com. And we are able to bring Let Me Be Frank to you, thanks to our sponsor, Foundations in Faith. Foundations in Faith embraces innovative approaches to funding pastoral care programs in the Diocese of Bridgeport. Resources focus on energizing lifelong faith formation and discipleship, and fostering a commitment to justice and accompaniment with our most vulnerable. From seminarians to retired priests, from baptism to last rites, from suburbs to inner cities, the reach is broad, the impact is meaningful. For more information, visit them on the web at foundationsinfaith.org. Welcome back, everybody, to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. I am Steve Lee, and as always, it is my great pleasure to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Steve, good morning. Good morning, my friend. We're at midsummer, hey, surviving the heat. Jesus, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> <laughs> it feels to me like it's end of summer. Like I feel like school is right around the corner. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> That's what thousands of parents are saying right now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What's it? Well, you know, in Fairfield County, I, the, most schools open it in August, right? So, I mean, it's not far. Yeah, yeah. A couple of weeks, right? Right. So, my uh, college kid is going back uh, late to mid-August, and then my two, my high schooler and middle schooler start, yeah, the final week of August, that Monday. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a couple more weeks. Ah, oh, they must be sad. <laughs> I, on the other hand, love the fall, as you know. So yes. I'm, I'm, I'm done with summer. Summer's over. We can move on now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, um, about today's conversation, I think today's topic, at least for me, is a tough one. Because yes. I think obedience and surrender, mm-hmm. that, for me, is one of the most difficult things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I always want to control everything, you know. If I don't, if I'm not in control, I, I can get cranky. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it's and it's a topic that I think is kind of in the background of of everyone's spiritual life that sometimes comes to the surface when events provoke it, and then you have a real assessment of how well do you do when you have to surrender to the will of God as is manifest in the events of your life, yeah. or to the things that you simply cannot change. Right? So I remember when I was a kid, thousand years ago, there was a TV show called F Troop. You probably have no idea what this is. I do know what it is. Like, you do? Yes. Do you really? The <laughs> mounted uh, like policemen or something like that. In yeah, the West. yeah. It was a comedy. It was a riot. But... <laughs> I remember vividly, so it's the funniest things you remember when you're a kid, that in one of the episodes, the, uh, the, the fellow, I forget his, uh, the, the, the sergeant, whatever he was, uh, surrendered, right, to these guys, and it was the white flag, right? You wave the white flag and you surrender. 
And that's kind of like the symbol of surrender, right? You give up, you are defeated. The interesting thing is, when we talk about surrender in the spiritual life, it's when you're victorious, hmm. not defeated. So I thought we would talk about this, if for no other reason, because of something very recently that happened in my own life, right? Um, so as I had alluded in a few other podcasts before, I was gearing up to travel with CRS to Ghana in Africa. And I went the entire route of the 12 vaccines that I needed. One was mandatory, yellow fever. Many of them were highly recommended simply because I had neglected to take what most people of my age would have done anyway, you know, yeah. like meningitis and hepatitis and all that stuff. So I figured, what the heck, let's just do them all. So I was like the pink cushion, got them all done. <laughs> okay. And then for circumstances outside of my control, I could not go. And it was like a real moment. I wouldn't say it wasn't crisis, but it was a real profound disappointment on my part. One, because I did not want to you know, let down my obligations and duties as the chair of CRS, which I take very seriously. Others, because I was looking forward to the experience. I had never been in that part of Africa, you know, to meet bishops of the African church whose experience is so different from ours and in some ways can teach us in the United States lessons because the church in Africa is growing, it's vibrant, it's evangelizing, I mean, it's, it's, it's astonishing what's going on in Africa, and ours has different sets of problems. Anyway, so I couldn't go. Okay. So in those moments of conversation with the Lord, like we have had, whether you face the sickness of someone or something that's just disappointing, you say to yourself, Lord, like, what gives here? You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and no response back. That's not uncommon for most of us. Mm -hmm. And I had to check myself and say, okay, well, if this really is, if you believe in providence and the Lord is permitting this to happen, then you have to realize that it's for a reason beyond your comprehension. And you need to surrender, I need to surrender before it, and find peace that I'm not in control, just like you said, that he is in control. And you planned all this, but maybe he didn't want all this. Hmm. Okay. And then... All right. A few days later, I received a text from someone in diocesan work who alerted me to a series of events that actually really took my breath away to illustrate that God knows what you do not know. So what were the events? The Delta flight that I was supposed to be on, right, was delayed first by an hour, and then was rescheduled for the next day because the pilot suddenly took ill. Could you imagine? Huh. Now, this is extraordinarily rare because it's an international flight, and international flights are governed by treaties. So whatever happened to this poor pilot was terrible. They could not fly. Okay, so it's rescheduled for the next day, which would have already undone the, the uh, first day, right, for me, because that was the day I was supposed to meet the president of Ghana, the ambassador to Ghana, all this other stuff. Anyway, 
Right, but I could still have attended the conference with the bishops. The next day, the flight leaves. Leaves from Kennedy to go to Accra in, in Ghana. <laughs> Two hours into the flight, the pilot leaves the cockpit. And while people are, you know, comfortable and, you know, sleeping and whatever, I guess they had eaten. He's opening up the, the little visors on the windows to examine the wings. And it begins to create a stir. And this is all from a YouTube oh video of a man who was on this flight from the beginning. So he would have been my co-passenger, right? <laughs> and he's looking at all the windows and looking around at the wings and all the rest. Then he goes back into the cockpit and a few minutes later says to the people, we need to turn around and return to Kennedy because we're experiencing a difficulty with fuel to balance the fuel between the two wings. So you could imagine the reaction of the people. First of all, you could you imagine the reaction of a pilot walking in, looking oh at the gosh. wings, trying to see what, what right? Yeah. So they turn around, they were given uh, emergency priority clearance to land at Kennedy. I'm not exactly sure if they had to evacuate the plane or not. That was unclear. Um, but it was, really what it was, was an in-flight declaration of emergency. Right. Wow. Because if there was a fuel leak, which I'm not sure if there was or wasn't, the plane would have been in danger of blowing up. So those people could not leave that day either. Oh, my gosh. So the trip was on it. Even if I could have gone, I would not have gone. <laughs> because. But I was, in some way, I was not party to all of this. And knowing my anxious personality, I, those two hours would have been the longest two hours of my mm. life. Because I've flown often, as you know, lots of places. I've always, even to this day, when we're over the ocean, it just gives me a feeling of nervousness as if there's no, like there's nothing under your feet because God forbid if you have to land, there's nowhere to go except the water. So, so then after learning all this, I'm in my chapel and I said to the Lord, Lord, let it be done unto your holy will. Because now I understand what I did not understand before. <laughs> I see what you saw all along. So in a sense, providence is the trusting in God's love for us. And the surrender that's necessary is the basic posture that I am not ultimately in control. And I need to trust God's love for me and that his plan for me is better than any plan I could have for myself and even though I am humanly disappointed because what I wanted to do I could not do that story vividly illustrated for me that surrender before God is really our victory it's not our defeat right isn't that yes. remarkable uh, I mean uh, stories like that are always, you know, you hear about like uh, the person who didn't get on the 9-11 flight for whatever reason. But in, in your case and in, in that case, 
you kind of you got your answer from the Lord pretty quickly about mm-hmm. why. Mm-hmm. What about for people who don't get it and who have to wait for, you know, maybe years or maybe never in this ah. life hear the answer? Ah. 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 An excellent question. And there's no easy answer. I've shared the story once before. I will share it again because it it continues to re-echo in my mind. But when my mom fell ill, and my great request to the Lord was that he spare her life. Because my mother was in many ways kind of like my uh, mom, friend, and like psychological counselor when I needed (laughs) the help. Um... And there was no answer. Now, surrendering to that was extraordinarily difficult, as I've shared before. And I only got the answer, I would think, if I were brutally honest, I didn't get the answer maybe five years after her death. Hmm. In an epiphany that, again, occurred in my time of adoration before the Lord, and I almost had this overwhelming sense that do you not understand now how this was much better for your mom who's at peace but it's the surrendering because in the end it was this what what my mom was for me but it wasn't about me it was about her yeah right how many people listening to this podcast have not found themselves in the same situation a husband a wife a child right a son a daughter who has a grave illness or struggling with some sort of suffering or even addiction or whatever else is, or his life is just a mess or they just can't do anything and you just surrender before the Lord. I mean, it's one of the most difficult postures for a Christian to be in, right? When when there is nothing you can do and you surrender before the Lord, or you have done all that you can do, and it has not worked out the way you thought, which is another whole uh, cascade of events in our lives. Right. Right? So how about, um, you know, so you're talking about surrendering uh, to within discrete events that happen in your life, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but... Um, there's this idea that we need to surrender our entire lives mm-hmm. over. So mm-hmm. uh, can you talk to us about that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it goes back to the, the, uh, the uh, theolo- theological anthropology we talked about maybe a couple months ago, that we as a human person are a unified mystery of mind, body, soul and spirit and surrender before the Lord requires a complete surrender so it's a surrender of the mind it's a surrender of the heart it's a surrender of the spirit and the soul before the Lord and where it's where it becomes extremely difficult in the spiritual life is when we have progress in one and not as much in the other so we're a divided house. So intellectually, what I just said, you understand, but you don't emotionally have yet surrendered your heart. Or you, you're working on the heart, and in the will, you don't surrender, 
right, to what the Lord is asking, what you have been taught is the right thing to do, because the flesh is weak, right? Mm -hmm. Or that's where in the spiritual life, I think 95% of our time is spent when we do an examination of conscience, is that part of us is not, is not surrendering. Right? So then the question is, for those who are listening, and myself included, what part of our life do we have the most difficulty in yielding to the Lord, in allowing the Lord to take the lead? Right? Now, for me personally, if this could be like a quasi-public confession, it's not the mind and it's not the will. It's the heart. Because I am a deeply passionate person. Anybody who knows me knows. I, I may be mediocre in many ways, but when it comes to the, the issues of the heart, if, if, if I'm going to give you my heart, I'm giving you my entire heart. Mm-hmm. With, all, with all that means, right? Because I, I, that's a trait I share with both my mother and my father. Because my father also was deeply passionate about everything he believed in and the people he loved. There was like no in-between. So when I'm convicted about something, it's very hard to let go. <laughs> it is. It's my greatest spiritual struggle is to, is to calm my heart to say, okay, so I understand this is the providential will of God. And therefore, you know, why is my heart not at peace? Because part of me doesn't want to surrender, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, so, uh, you said you know when when you finally um, give in to giving somebody your heart, it just reminded me of like marriage. Like I surrendered myself and my life to a, a lesser degree than to God, hopefully, but to my wife. Mm-hmm. But that can't happen until um, I trust her first, right? I can't mm. surrender until I trust. Mm. Exactly. So there's the encounter, and then there's the relationship. So that's a tremendous point in the spiritual life. We always speak about, we speak about encountering Christ, which we talked about, either as it happens as a child, or it happens as an adult, or whenever it happens, that somehow there is this mystical moment experience, or unfolding of experience over a period of time, where the Lord is, 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 becomes tangible, he becomes real, he becomes a force that's just not a concept, or not a historical figure. Okay, we've spoke about that lots of times. But then the relationship that follows is essential for discipleship because it allows that experience to eventually do what you just said, to permeate mind, heart, soul, and spirit so that we, by the end of our lives, have pleased God, given, surrendered the most we could humanly, even though we're frail and sinful, to this Lord that we met. So I'm not married, as you know. You are, as you know. (laughs) Marriage, it seems to me from the outside looking in, is that marriage over time is meant to deepen in the surrender that may be different when you're 60 than originally when you're 30 or 25 Mm -hmm. or 35 when you first fall in love, right? Is that a fair Mm -hmm. thing to say? Yeah, sounds right. Yeah. And you realize that there's more and more layers to surrender, including... It would seem to me that awful moment 
when after a very long life together, that beautiful image of the vine, St. Augustine speaks of, right, of the married couple, they intertwine, that a spouse dies. And that surrendering before that mystery must be awfully difficult, right, when you're talking about a true relationship of love. But we do. Yeah. Right? So, in a sense, so providence, providence is the belief that the goodness of God will always lead us to greater good. When we speak of providence, divine providence, it will always lead us to greater good, which means it always leads us further into the life of God. Mm. And we have a thousand choices along the way, whether we cooperate with that, whether we reject that, or whether we go along for the ride kicking and screaming. Most of us do the kicking and screaming at some <laughs> level, right? And, and the disciplines of the spiritual life are meant to help us to do less kicking and screaming and more voluntary surrendering because to do the third, which is the total rejection, is the path of, of sinfulness. Yeah. Right? You know, I, I can't help but think of, uh, as we're talking about surrender, of... Um, Ruth from the Old Testament, and she kind of surrendered her life to Naomi, her mother-in-law, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not knowing where that would lead and where that would go. But then it resulted in the birth of her son, who turned out to be the grandfather of King David. I mean, that could... Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Well, one of my favorite books in the Old Testament is Esther, hmm. right? And she was in a, pl- a pl- place of great privilege. Yes, Right, and I believe it was Mordecai, right, who said to her, "You can, you think you can escape here when the Jews are exterminated, but, but judgment will fall upon you too." And she surrendered. So she had to have a moment of surrender, risking everything before, you know, the uh, the authorities to be able to advocate for her own people. Yes. Yeah. Right? Perhaps you were placed in the palace for a time such as this. Exactly. Yeah. Well done. Well done. So, so again, why I raise this question for for reflection for us in these lazy days of summer is precisely because when we look at the history of faith, particularly our elders in the Jewish faith and our own the mystery of revelation, the definitive revelation in Jesus Christ, we are enamored of those moments of surrender that are like, I'm going to call them spectacular, historic, clear. But most of us are not going to have that. It's all the little choices. It's It's the flights that don't happen. It's the trips that don't happen. It's the uh, plans that get upended. It's the uh, it's the the project that just falls flat on its face with your best efforts. It's all the little things that actually are going to be the substance of how we deal with this in our lives. Yes. And the peace of heart that we have to get it. So from my perspective, if again, going back to the trip, it was not my mind, because my mind knew I could not go for the circumstances I found myself in. But my heart was the one that was the issue. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like, wow, so Lord, you speak for whatever reason, for whatever mystery, I was not to be part of that. Yeah. So is that not a manifestation of God's in God's providence for me? Yeah. 
And of course, yeah. the people who were on that flight who did go, maybe the providence of God was for them to have the experience because they reacted in different ways. But this young gentleman whose YouTube uh, video I saw, he said it was the closest thing to a near-death experience. And then he went on to say, and now I look into the face of my wife and the people I love and I see them differently. Uh. It was beautiful. He said, I, I, and then he started to break down in his YouTube video. So that's God's providence then for him maybe. Right? Yep. So, surrender. Forget the white flag. No such thing. <laughs> yeah. For God. Because we know all things work for the good, for those who Amen. love God. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Excellency. So, and I'm, I'm glad uh, uh, it's, it, it is really heartening and edifying to see, to hear the story of how things work out when you feel like it's not working out. Exactly. Right. Exactly. All right. So this is uh, Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano on the Veritas Catholic Network. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. If you're concerned about your end-of-life plans, searching for a Catholic cemetery, or have loved ones who are buried in one of the 14 Catholic cemeteries throughout Fairfield County, now might be a good time to begin planning for yourself or for other family members. Call one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 to leave a message or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Many people don't realize that they can be buried with their deceased loved ones, even if all of the family's in-ground plots have been taken. The Diocese of Bridgeport Catholic Cemeteries provides in-ground burials, as well as columbarium and mausoleum options. This makes it possible to unite your family together in the same cemetery, and it's an opportunity to build a bridge for your family back to the church. Talking about this issue is not easy, but pre-need planning makes your wishes clear, reduces cost, and helps your family avoid difficult decisions at a time of grief and loss. You can start your planning now by contacting one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. We can guide you through the options, regulations, and considerations to help you make the best decisions for your family. The number is 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Okay, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Uh, Excellency, you know, so one thing we haven't talked about in the past year or so uh, is World Day for Grandparents and the Elderly which I guess Pope Francis established last year. And it was mm-hmm. just again a few weeks ago at the end of July. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is around the time of the Feast of Saints Joachim and Anne. Yes. Which is one of my favorite feasts, by the way. And for those who may not know, Joachim and Anne are the mother and father of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And their feast arose... Uh, universally in the church at the end of the first millennia, basically. But it was in its earliest roots, as early as the second and third century, was, was Anne was honored, and then Joachim came later on, right, as the tradition continued to unfold. But um, it's amazing to think 
that Jesus had grandparents. <laughs> right? But he did. Right. <laughs> and in, in Jewish society at the time, the grandparents were a big deal. They played a huge role. So we've spoken about Joseph and his role in forming the Lord, right? Yes. Yes. We spoke about Mary, of course. But yes. I always wondered to myself, what was the role of the grandparents of Jesus? And if I'm not mistaken, in the genealogy of the Gospel of Matthew, Joseph's father's name was Jacob. If I remember, I could be wrong, so I'll stand corrected with the flood of emails that will come. <laughs> right? but, but Joseph... He was his foster father, but Joseph had parents too. And right. So, like, I, I, don't you wonder? I, those are the sort of things that when I get to heaven, if I get to heaven, which I please God, I will get to heaven. Those are the sort of things I would like to find out about. Yeah, because there must have been times when, like, Joseph was like, hey, mom, can you come and babysit? <laughs> yeah, could you imagine? Yeah. Yeah, but he, the Jesus didn't misbehave, so that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> right, true. <laughs> All right, but so, so what's the point? The point is... Um, the Pope has made, almost counterintuitively, has begun to emphasize the importance of the elderly, the elders, those who are older in the life society and the life of the church. Now, in part because I think at 85 and a half, almost 86, uh, and his, his, the state he finds himself in um, with his knee problems, all the rest, I'm sure it weighs on his mind, and he's reflecting his own spiritual journey. I mean, it was, it was a remarkable interview on the flight back from Rome for the Pope to say in his pilgrimage to Canada, I can no longer do this. This sort of trip I cannot do anymore. Yeah. And that I need to husband my energy for what the Lord allows me to do for the life of the church, and even raised the question of possibly resigning if his health deteriorated to the point where he could not. I mean, honestly, I wonder to myself, World Youth Day is a year away. It will be extraordinarily challenging for the Pope to come to World Youth Day. But he will come. He will yeah. come as best he can, right? But he will come. So, I think, so his... His reflections and my own personal reflections in my own life, I think this is a topic that we all have to think through. One, because of the prejudice we have in, in our secular society, and the other, to recognize the dignity and value of growing old, and also, quite frankly, the unique contribution they can provide. Yes. So let's start with my unique contribution. Okay. Uh, my, my unique perspective, I should say. Uh, so I will be 64 years old in March. Now, in the life of the church, people will say to me, oh, you're young, you're a bishop, it's young, you have many more years to go. But in the secular world, 64, 65 is a logical time when some people at least begin to ask the question of retirement. So I allow myself that fantasy, since I can't retire at 65. <laughs> I retire when the Pope tells me to retire. <laughs> right. Not because I want to retire, but because it is a spiritual exercise. And the spiritual exercise is, how comfortable am I in the true recognition that the majority of my life has already been spent? Hmm. 
I have lived through 63 Christmases. I probably remember the one since I'm like eight, nine, ten, and older in various ways when I was young, two, three, who remembers. How many more Christmases do I have? 10, 15, 20, 30? 30 would take me to 93. Now, you may say, that sounds kind of morbid. No, it doesn't. Because I could guarantee you, in the last few months that I've been thinking about this, this Christmas, I will approach differently than the ones before. If for no other reason, because there will be an intentional decision on my part to celebrate it as best I can in gratitude to the Lord that I have had it in the first place. Since three of my classmates are already gone to the Lord Jesus of the eleven. So there's a freedom in recognizing that you are growing old. There could also be, in a spiritual life, there could be this great resentment, too. right? That, so one of the things I'm going to ask everyone who's listening is, you know, particularly if you are older like I am, is how do you see the onset of the elder years? Do you see it as a blessing? Do you see it as a burden? Do you see it as something you want to resist, that you want to avoid, that you don't want to admit to? That's one of the things the Pope is asking those who are older, is do you first see it as a blessing? And then does the church and society see growing old as a blessing? Which leads to the second point, and I think, and I'm curious to hear your thought about this, Steve, is I think in our modern society, at least in the United States, be growing old is not necessarily seen as a value. It's not necessarily seen as a blessing. Or am I being too harsh? I think in Western society that is correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do you think that's the case? You know, it's, um, I, it's actually sad because... I think there's well part of it I think there there's a, is an almost every man for themselves mentality that kind of focuses us on ourselves and not what we can learn or do for others but there's also uh, clearly a desperate like grasp to cling to youthfulness you know plastic surgery mm-hmm. or other things like that which I guess also leads to you know immaturity of mm-hmm. behavior in a lot of cases too but yeah i think it's interesting when you look at the commercials right where which are focused in on um older individuals like for example when i have some free time another favorite that i like to watch is perry mason because I grew up with Perry Mason. You probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But I grew up with Perry Mason. And, you know, he always won his cases, which is great. Uh-huh. And, and, and it's just like nostalgia for me. All right. So, I, and the commercial, it must be an older group because every commercial is geared for life insurance and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> all right. And they're always portrayed as like youthful, energetic, yeah. dressed like they're 30 years younger. And, but I'm thinking to myself, and that's wonderful. If that's the case, that's a blessing, but that's not always the case. Yeah, right. So, to your point, it's it's almost as if 
the elderly are extolled in like contemporary society <coughs> to the extent that they're youthful and energetic yeah. and but what about the elderly that are not which i'm going to say has got to be a significant portion of the older population yeah yeah what does society think of them yeah as a burden as a burden as a financial burden as a problem as a, as a, 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 an albatross I mean, and that is, um, that's what the Pope is asking of us to really reflect on uh, as a society. Do we value the elderly, right, for their wisdom, for their accumulated knowledge, for the relationships that they provide, for the memories to the past, for, for the link to the larger world in which we live, for the being the, 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 the harbingers, to, be, to being the, the bearers of our own identity. Yeah. Because when I look at myself, I, I've, I've talked often, often, probably too often, about my parents. And yet I could talk about my grandparents, who I didn't know very well. But that's all part of the history of who I am. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. you are. Right? Yeah. I, you know, and so like, even the commercial that you just mentioned, Excellency, it's about old age is about how you can still stay young. It's not about right. what you can pass on to the next generation. Right. I love Pope Francis said that grandparents and the elderly are not leftovers from life. They are a precious source of nourishment. And, 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 and precisely because they're older. Yes. So we don't have to mask it for something else. It's precisely for being older that you are this treasure. You have been literally fire tried by life. Yeah. And therefore yeah. there's a wisdom among the older individuals that the youth simply do not have. They, and they cannot have. And they have to understand that they do not have. I think it's right? um, slightly different. For, so like in Korean culture, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so tell me. So what's yeah, that like? There is a real, true um, honor and respect that you give to your elders. And my brother and I were brought up this way, even though we were brought up here in the States. Younger family members in Korean families have a, a real sense of duty to care for older family members because of uh, what they have done for you in your life your parents and your grandparents, but also for exactly that, because they have attained a certain amount of wisdom, experience, and knowledge that we can benefit from being younger. And, you know, it's... I also think of, like, my mother-in-law right now is in her 80s, and um, she's in very poor health. Um, really weak. My dad is in his reaching his late seventies. He's super strong, but um, but my wife's family, her she and her siblings have really rallied, and they do everything they can for their mom, mm -hmm. make sure mm -hmm. she's comfortable, and they love spending time with her. And she's mm -hmm. sometimes with it and sometimes not, but her mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. times of being lucid, like. They're just. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, I have, I, well, we all have regrets in life. 
one of the regrets I have is both for my grandmother on my mother's side and my mother and father, I did not create the oral history I wanted to do. And you know, and the funny thing is, I always talked about it and in the busyness of life, never really got around to it. But what do I mean by oral history? Is now with an iPhone, it's easy or whatever phone you have, you just put on record and just have them talk. Yeah. Have a person talk about their youth, about the people they knew, about the experiences that they had. I mean, I remember the stories my father used to tell because my father was a big storyteller, which is tremendous. My mother, not so much. But they were always about his adventures, and they were quite adventures growing up, <laughs> right? But it wasn't so much the family stories. So, like, my father had seven brothers and sisters. I know that they fought, but, but I've tried to piece together what that family life was like. My father really didn't talk about it. But if I had asked him, chances are he would have. Hmm. I have no idea how my mother and father met and their courtship. Not an idea, right? They grew up in the same village, how they met. My sister actually knows more of these stories than I do. But so now you say, well, why is that important? Well, that's one of the gifts that the elderly or those who are older, even in our families, can give to us because all of those experiences are the food for our own reflection. Right? They are part of the spiritual and psychological DNA that makes us who we are. Yes. Right? So I would think in Korean culture, in the cultures of the East that, that do value the elderly far more than we do in the United States and some of the Western nations, it's, the, it's that, that wisdom was born out of the experiences that they had. So, yeah. so if you know the experience and you know the life lesson, chances are if you take it to heart, you're not going to repeat whatever mistakes they made yeah right and if you don't know where you came from how can you know where you're going right the other piece to this puzzle that francis keeps raising which i think is is downright brilliant is the recognition that any dre listening to this podcast knows and that is grandparents are playing a greater role in the passing on of faith now than they did 20 or 30 years ago in part because their experience of religion and formation was different. And their parents, many of these parents, did not have a proper or a full experience that was unfortunately not given to them in many ways. And they struggle sometimes with their own faith. And they're the link to these, to these young people. right? So par- grandparents can provide what... My, let's say a generation younger than me may not always have at their disposal because it was not always given to them. Yeah. So they have a unique role as catechist, if I could call it that. Yes. Right? And reminding young people of a time in the church's life that was um, uh, quieter, more settled. Um, perhaps even the word clearer than we have now in our in our secular very contemporary and very confusing world in which we live yeah and even to reach the um grandparents and older parents generations because i just had lunch recently um 
with a gentleman who, who said, you know, so much of the world and the church today is focused on reaching young people and the youth and engaging them and empowering them, which is certainly important. But he said, what's being done to reach more mature adults and to make sure that they stay strong in the faith? Right. Right. <clears throat> now, this might sound very judgmental for me to say. <clears throat> and Lord Jesus, forgive me for saying it. <clears throat> but... When you look at the church and you look at what the church has done in this country over the last century, it is those who are now elderly in our midst who built it. It was their faith, their hard work, their generosity, their commitment that gave us the patrimony we have now. And not just the physical patrimony, which itself is remarkable, right? but even the spiritual patrimony. Mm -hmm. So if for no other reason, we owe a collective debt of gratitude that quite frankly, I'm not sure you can even quantify for those who are older in our midst who are faithful Catholics because they created the foundation we stand on. And even though it may seem as if the foundation is shaky and the building is shaky, that's only in part because those who have received the patrimony for whatever reason have not utilized it, valued it, built further upon it, which is a different topic. But in the life of the church, not only is there a past contribution for what I'm describing, but there's this current contribution of what we call intergenerational catechesis. Yes. Right? It's the stories of life. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Can I um, can I veer you off a little bit? Um, Shoot. Because uh, I, I, in looking into today's show, I read a quote uh, that Pope Francis said for World mm -hmm. uh, Day for Grandparents that I just loved. And it just looks mm -hmm. at uh, older age a little differently. He said, old age is no time to give up and lower the sails, but a season of enduring fruitness. A new mission awaits us and bids us to look to the future. Mm -hmm. I yeah, love that. So not, what, yeah, a yeah. new mission awaits. I love that. Right. And I, yes. And what, so what's the mission? That's the question. There, there, spiritually, there's a need to remember that in every season of life, the mission is colored differently. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to suggest that particularly for those who are older, who have mobility issues, who have uh, health issues, who have financial constraints, maybe that ministry is one of intercession and prayer for the life of the church. To lift up all the struggles and pains and challenges and all the things that we're going through in the church today and all of the blossoms, you know, the small little seeds that are blossoming in the church that are providing new life and new vigor and new hope to lift all of that up in prayer. Some of the most important ministry is one of intercession, prayerful intercession yes. for someone else or the life of the church. So powerful. See, isn't it? That's what Pope Benedict is doing at 95 with whatever strength God has given him to live this long, in the last, was it, almost 10 years now that he has been Pope Emeritus, 
did he not say, he didn't say his ministry was over. Right. He said his ministry was one of prayer. Yes. Intercession for the life of the church. Yeah. I feel like, and also, um, if you're still vigorous, old age can be a time to take on new things. Because, you know, like, Abraham was, like, old when, when God came and spoke to him. Amen. And Moses was old and had already lived a full life when God called and him. And Aaron was, too. Absolutely. Yes. Exactly. Right. So if God has given you the vigor and good health, right, then the question is, you don't have the luxury of 80 years, but you may have the luxury of 10 or 20 or 30 years. So you need to sit before the Lord and surrender. Let's connect it to surrender before him and ask him, where, Lord, can I have the greatest impact? Mm -hmm. the, the greatest lasting effect. To be able to, in my life, of, my contributing my life to your service, in this, this last season of my life, what is it that you want me to do? Not what I want to do necessarily. Let me surrender to what you want to do so I can have a lasting contribution to, to, your, to your church. Yeah. And to my family and to the people I love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One, of, um, one of my favorite heroes from the Bible, um, mm -hmm. how do you pick just one? But he's one of them, is Eleazar in the book of Maccabees. And so just a refresher for our listeners. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Because Maccabees is not as well read, I think. No, because uh, no, our, our Protestant brothers and sisters don't consider it canonical. Right. right? But what a great book and full of um, awesome, I mean, it's kind of bloody, but um, so Eleazar. <laughs> but as an aside, it's kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> But Eleazar was this awesome old man. Um, who I Elder, guess, please, Elder. Oh, what did I say? Elder, old man, Elder, oh, okay. keep going. <laughs> but he he heroically accepted martyrdom. So he's one of the um, one of the elders in the in the community, mm -hmm. and so they bring him before a crowd and try to get him to eat pork in front mm -hmm. of the Jews. Um, so they shove it in his mouth and he spits it out. And so his friends, they're like, look you know, we, we can give you some other meat and just pretend it's pork and eat it. You won't actually be viola violating your faith. And Eleazar's answer is so good. He said basically like, you know, at my old age, should I pretend something and potentially lead younger men astray? And he mm -hmm. said, either way, I have to face God. So I'd rather manfully give up my life now and show myself mm -hmm. worthy in my old age, in my elder age, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and, and provide a faithful example to the young. And he did. And it's just like so heroic. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the nobility, the wisdom, the, the example that those who are older in our midst provide. And I would say this. I think... Of everything Pope Francis has been teaching us in his papacy, you know, the, the care for environment, you know, the joy of the gospel, uh, communion of fraternity, all the themes really that St. Francis of Assisi spoke about, right? Mm -hmm. for, yes. I think these instructions on the elderly, to my mind, in my heart, are the most provocative. 
because they really go to the heart of a lot of what our society refuses to see. Because they will say, yeah, we have to protect the environment and all that, and they will do these for communion. But the elderly, we still have not cracked this nut. And I think this is something Christians of all types, particularly Catholic Christians, need to really, for all the reasons we talked about, make this a priority in ministry. Yes. Yep. And please, God, maybe in the, in the months ahead, on the diocesan level, I may have some things to share with you about that. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. A little teaser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Okay. Great. So, um, we'll take our final break for today. You are listening to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano on the Veritas Catholic Network. And we'll be back on the other side of the break with a listener question. I'm Steve Lee from Veritas Catholic Network, and I just want to tell you quickly about the Connecticut Catholic Men's Conference. I've been going to this annual event for the past five years or so, and it's just a fantastic day. This year, the conference is on Saturday, September 24th at Northwest Catholic High School in West Hartford. It's an easy trip from anywhere in Connecticut, and you'll be happy you went to spend the day with hundreds of your Catholic brothers, fellow men who are striving to be good fathers, strong husbands, and faithful Catholics. The theme this year is the Most Holy Eucharist, and the speakers are going to be Bishop Frank Caggiano, Father Wade Menezes, Father Larry Richards, and Father Chris Alar. Men, it doesn't get much better. There's also going to be Mass, Adoration, Confession, and Fellowship. Again, it's September 24th, and you can go online to get more information or to register. The website is ctcatholicmen.org. Hope to see you there. Okay, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. Um, Excellency, we have such good and thoughtful listeners. Their questions are always so fantastic. Mm-hmm. So um, here's the one that we can do for today. Here's mm-hmm. the, it, the question says, I was taught that God does not hear the prayers of someone in a state of mortal sin. Is that true? No. No. Mm-mm. I'm not sure why that was, that was taught, but the implication of that being true is that God turns his back on someone, mm-hmm. which can't possibly be the case. That God's love is merciful, it's eternal, it's unyielding. Right? In effect, the person in, in a state of mortal sin if that person turns to God to ask for help, it's probably the most compelling of all prayers yeah. for God to answer. He's the one sheep out of the 99. Right, and the one that is in the desperate need of God's grace. So why would God not answer it? No, so the answer to that question is, to my knowledge, the answer is no. God, li- God hears everyone's prayers. And he responds to the extent he... He responds to the extent that a person is willing to receive what God is willing to give. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, maybe there's nothing more to be said on this, but when I, when I read that question that came in, mm-hmm. I was trying to think of where that would have come from as well. And, I, and I th- the only thing I could come up with was maybe it's because um, mortal sin, does mortal sin cut us off from God in a, in a certain well, sense? Well, that's the, so the, the premise, so exactly, so the premise of the question is, if I'm in a state of mortal sin, 
I've done something to break my relationship with God. If I am therefore praying, then I'm trying to overcome that distance. Right. Right. So all the more reason God would answer, God would attend to those prayers and give us the help, give that person the help he or she needs right. to seek repentance. Why would he not answer that? Okay, so so it's like the prodigal son. He cut himself off from his father, but then mm-hmm. when he came back, his father ran out to him to embrace him. Right, right. Awesome. Right. Okay. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. I hope that was helpful. If you have a question for Bishop Frank, send it in to us on social media, or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so is Veritas Catholic Network. And thank you, thank you to Foundations in Faith. A grant from the St. Therese Fund for Evangelization makes it possible for us to bring Let Me Be Frank to you. Foundations in Faith is committed to supporting and transforming pastoral ministries in the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you can learn more about their outstanding work at foundationsinfaith.org. Excellency, uh, before we go, would you please give us your blessing? I'd be happy to. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you. May the Lord in his great kindness grant you his peace. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit come upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Enjoy your week, my friend. Thanks, Excellency. You too. See you next week. Okay. Okay.